Yo, 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 what's going on, the beautiful people, the brothers, the sisters, we here, we back at it. All right, so today we're going to be discussing the Buffalo shooter, the Buffalo mass shooter, I should say. We're going to be discussing more of what happened. So, I'm going to kind of get into, you know, where I believe he took his inspiration from because he wrote a 180 page manifesto and it's too much to read on here because it's 180 pages. But if y'all want to Google it, y'all can Google it. Just go on Google and pull up his manifesto, 180 pages. So today I'm going to be discussing a book called ethnic ethnic cleansing operation so a white supremacist wrote this book about what 19 years ago going on 19 years and it been on the internet, you know, it hasn't been taken off or nothing like that. So I want I want everybody to look this book up, go on Google, put an ethnic cleansing operations book, and it's gonna pop right up. So the beginning of the book starts off in saying in this war. Your uniform will be your skin and you cannot take it off. So he didn't copyright it. It was put out July 2003. Distribute widely. And he put a, um, a little thank you note to to somebody named Archon. It says to Archon, the man who led the ethnic cleansing of Kovazovo, the history will validate you. So I'm not going to read all of this, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down certain things that's in the book. So it said chapter one, why ethnic cleansing? The problem was that we were that we could not separate the good Tustis from the bad ones. Plus, each good Tutsi carried the seeds of the next bad one. Unknown Hutu warrior. So when you look at it, it's, it's a page of all, you know, all these dead Africans and stuff. But see, the thing about it is over in Africa, it's easier to slay them because there's no repercussions over there. And they'll pay their own people to do this. So they'll offer you a certain amount of money and you just start killing people. Boko Haram, people like that, kidnapping little girls, shit like that, you know. So it's easier to do stuff over there because they don't have protection it's much like it is over here to do to us but i digress so i'm going to read a couple paragraphs out of you know the first couple pages well not the first couple pages but in chapter one i should say so it says the decision to ethnically cleanse this country is a very serious one 
It has come as the result of skyrocketing crime rates by people of color against whites, which is a lie. But this is hardly the only reason. A white person only has to take a ride downtown on a city bus to see that racial tensions are increasing. Once I asked a few black men why blacks seemed to zero in on whites so much, their candid responses were repeating. Their fellow blacks were merely hunting and gathering. This is a fucking lie. <laughs> I'll give you my thoughts afterwards. They went to explain that before the evil white man had bought them as slaves, they had hunted and gathered in Africa and that those old jungle instincts are still very close to the surface today. It is scary. It is a scary thought to know that we are in the minds of most blacks, merely fruit on the trees waiting to be picked and eaten. Ah. <sighs> After this next paragraph, I'll break down what this guy is saying. I meditated on what they had said and decided to informally prove the feelings of blacks in America a little deeper. A short time later, I asked the same men, why was it that the blacks installed incredibly loud systems in their cars and cranked the volume up such a to such a painful level? They replied again with candor. We don't even like it that loud. We do it to annoy whitey. At first... I didn't believe it, but after checking out the drivers of boom cars, in quotations, while sitting at red lights, I noticed that more than a few of them were wearing earplugs. Blacks have converted into their cars into mobile psychological warfare platforms, whatever that means. They're playing anti-white rap music at the air splitting volumes more than just to annoy us. They were and are doing it to drive us out of our own neighborhoods. These cars have become weapons in a deliberate campaign of ethnic cleansing. First off. What the like who's hunting and gathering you guys? See, what happens is these guys, they have such vivid imaginations. And then this guy actually thought to write a book about shit that doesn't even happen. Most people, most black people don't have a system in their car. That's only when you get a candy paint car, you get one of them old school cars, you throw some 24s on it, and you just jumping because that's what we used to doing. We used to like fixing our cars up. But we don't play anti-white music. Most people don't listen to that type of music. Every the music that they're playing now is anti-black. Like I, <clears throat> even back then they wasn't playing anti-white music. Like I like I just don't get why these people just have a reason to try to upset us or to try to denigrate us. They just look for reasons and they have these crazy ass imaginations. I talked to black men. No you didn't. We don't call people whitey. This is bull crap, man. Like, this is bull job. Brothers and sisters, do not. Like, when you read this, you're going to laugh if you do read it. But just read it. It's called Ethnic Cleansing Operations. But I'll get back to that. Every February, Black History Month, we are reminded that there is no other ethnic group that has been given an entire month to promote their jungle culture. Wallowing self-pity demand money black leaders when asked why there is no white history month always respond with virtually the same words there's no need you whites already run everything 
Their response serves as a twofold purpose. First, it suggests that we have no right to celebrate our race. And second, it trivializes to nothing our incredible accomplishment to nothing our incredible accomplishments, histories, and heroes. Can you recall if there are any footprints on the moon left by anyone named Jamal or Carlos? Here we go with the bullshit. The accomplishments of white of the right of the white race, I'm sorry. A galaxy beyond all other races put together. The fact is non-white races covered our accomplishments, and that I do agree with. They wish they were like us, but since they realize they will never be, they seek to destroy us. Our accomplishments remind them of their inadequacies. In response to their widely held animosity towards the white race, blacks have taken to using their songs and music to spread their hatred and instigate acts of violence against whites called gangster rap. The songs clearly describe the hopes and dreams of of most blacks. The form of rap has become immensely popular, creating a multi-million dollar a year industry. In case you are unacquainted with black races rap, here are some people from Lyric. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry about that. Here are some sample lyrics from the most popular songs in the genre. Devils fear this brand new shit. I bleed them next time I see them. I pray on these devils. Look what it has come to. Who you going to run to when we got to mobbing, feeling, feeling his body up with lead? Y'all cracking in my way, slitting, slitting his throat, watching his head shake. Watch his body shake, and that's how we do it in the motherfucking bay. Sitting on a dock with a dirty AK. Uh, he didn't put who this is from. Heat featuring Jet and Spice, Paris, unreleased, 1998. It's called Unleashed Records, Whirling Records, whatever. I never heard of none of these shit. He prays on old white ladies who drive the Mercedes with the windows cracked. You should have heard that bitch screaming, stick guns in the cracker's mouth. The cops can't stop it. Mad nigga, Menace Clan, The Hood. Rap a lot records 1995. Alright, I'm not gonna read no more of these. Cause I've never killed Whitey <laughs> Menace the Hood. Okay, whatever. Um I guess. Alright, so I'm I'm gonna read. I'm not gonna read that much more, but I'm, I'm gonna finish breaking down on how I think the Buffalo shooter. Essentially, um, how he essentially took his inspiration from this, because I'm pretty sure every white supremacist read this. There are literally hundreds of songs just like these at the racist lyrics reveal blacks are psychologically preparing themselves to ethnically cleanse whites. The Reverend Louis Farrakhan has instructed all black men to begin working out and get in shape. Many are following his instructions. That is not just a general health concern of the nation of Islam. It is a prerequisite for war. Whether Caucasians are organizing or not, the blacks and Chikinos are seriously getting ready. 
Such preparations are not limited to physical exercises and psyching themselves up for battle. Their psychological warfare platforms roam America's streets spewing out anti-white hate music 24 hours a day. This is a lie. While some whites are frightened by the intense volume and menacing language, many are amused. Why? Because there is an up there is an upside to their boom car tactic these drivers without earplugs and there are many along <clears throat> with their hearing impaired passengers will be very easy to sneak up on in the end the laugh is on them and their noisy boom cars all right so throughout this book i guess the gist of it is The gist of his book, I guess, is to, to, I guess, pity the white man. He's, oh, well, you know, oh, he's, we're such victims of everything. They don't do anything and all these other type of things. And he's never talked to a black man a day in his fucking life, man. Do not believe that. And to a certain degree, I agree with the you know, the white validation and we love their, we do love their accomplishments because we're always bigging them up. These white people that don't do anything, we're holding them on top of them. Not we, but certain people hold them on a pedestal and it needs to stop. But this is giving you an insight to what they think. This is not just his thoughts. This is the thoughts of a lot of white folks. I don't care what nobody say. To me, if you're not fighting white supremacy alongside of me, you're an enemy. I don't care if you white, black, brown, whatever. If you're not fighting white supremacy with me, you're not an ally. And I said blacks don't have allies. You can see it in the book that actually I'm going to take time to read. And he's giving it chapter by chapter of how people need to go get guns. Like, this dude is preparing for war. Like, you gotta see this shit. Like, I want y'all to really look into this book and understand how these motherfuckers think. And this is just not him. It sounds like he got some type of military training. This is just not him. This is not how he thinks. This is what a lot of them think. That we're somehow trying to fight them and we demand money. No, we're owed that money, man. We're owed that money. I've never called nobody a cracker. I don't call people whitey. I don't do none of that shit. I call them white supremacists. That's what they are. This is this book shows white supremacy at its finest and at its highest apex. You have to understand, man, all the atrocities and the things that we went through. And then Friday was the 37 year anniversary of the bomb of the bombing of the move people on 52nd and Osage. 61 houses caught on fire. 11 people died, included four children. And I think, you know, it was like six or seven adults. But. They never explain why they did that. But to bomb 
those people and essentially destroy 61 houses. That is atrocious, man. And a black man was at the helm and he, you know, my mom said he came to a church and was like, you know, they forced me to, no, they didn't force you to do nothing because you could have told them no. I don't want to hear you was for, you wasn't forced, man. You was not forced. You did that because you had white paymasters and you knew that you was running on re-election or whatever the case may have been, but you knew you wasn't going to get re-elected if you didn't do that or put or push the button on that. You don't firebomb people. You go in there and get the people if they're doing something wrong. And this is not the first time. This is not the first time they had went after move. They went after them, I think, in 1977 or 1978. And they went after them before. They constantly target black people who go against the system. This is what we get for going against the system. It's firebombs. They shot these people. They they shot their own officers to make it look like, oh, they shot them. So now we can go in there and get them. Come on, man. And that was Frank Rizzo that authorized that first one. And he was a racist. If you want to look him up, you can look him up. He was a very racist person. Man, I heard so many stories about people... The cops beating young black boys up, taking them to a part of town where they wasn't supposed to go. And they had to run home because if they was caught in that part of town, they was going to get killed or, or, or beat damn near halfway to death. So you can't tell me that we don't deserve reparations for all the shit we went through for 400 years and continued to go through the Jim Crow era. Nobody went through that but us. We weren't publicly hanging white people. We weren't publicly hanging white people. We weren't publicly, uh, you know, killing them and had our kids around to witness us killing them. We didn't lie on little white boys and had them dragged from cars like they did Emmett Till. We didn't do any of these things. This is stuff that they did. But somehow, some way, this motherfucker could write a book talking about they're trying to kill us. So this is what we need to do because we're in a constant war. This is 18. This is 19 years ago. That, that whoever wrote this fucking book. He wrote this book. To somehow make them seem as if they're sympathetic figures. They don't deserve our sympathy. They don't deserve nothing. They deserve our rage and anger. But we don't. Because we're taught that we're supposed to be docile. We're taught that we're supposed to be forgiving. So they got these, these, these weirdos on TV. These two black guys. Oh, man. And and you knew it was going to happen. This motherfucker murdered 10 people 
And these motherfuckers go on TV and start talking about compassion and hugs. We all need a hug. Now, get the fuck out of here, man. I'm sorry for cussing, but I have to. Because these people, these people are the epitome of why they attack us. We're too busy on TV. Instead of strategizing, we're too busy on TV looking for hugs and compassion. We're too busy on the internet saying, oh, man, y'all advocating for people. I, listen, if you can be strapped, go get strapped, go get your license to carry. Don't get caught slipping. See, what that motherfucker did was scout that area because he knew New York is really a, 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 a city or a state where you can't have guns. It's like one of the strictest states with gun law. They have strict gun laws. It's hard to get a gun in New York. It's hard to get a gun in Jersey. These mass shootings are happening in places where they're, catch, they're scouting. It's These things are not random acts of violence. These things that's happening is not random acts of violence. They're not just waking up and saying, oh, man, let me let me just go commit a mass um, uh, shooting. Let me go get commit mass murder. They're not waking up saying that shit. They're planning these things out. They're scoping the area. They're scouting. They're strategizing. A motherfucker walking around with an AR-15 and walking around with a helmet with a camera on it and body armor. He did not wake up and just thought to do that that same day. No, he was planning that. That was his plan. His plan was to kill people that day. He scouted. He knew that he would get little to no resistance in where he was at. The security guard uh, sent some shots his way, but he killed the security guard. And like I said, the security guard stood up and he died for his people. He's a hero to me. Why do you think he picked a place where it's mainly black people, was 85% black people? In a state where it's strict gun laws, because he know he's not going to get no resistance. You got people on the internet, like this one guy. What the one guy say? It's wild how after shootings, people start advocating for us all to get strapped up. People watch too many movies. You see how sorry police act in real situations and they actually train. Your shooting range practice ain't about to have you prepared to be John Wick if shit pop off. Let's be real. This is this ain't an anti-gun tweet. It's more even a gun. It's not even a gun control tweet. It's simply a tweet saying that a gun is not the solution to an active shooter situation that people claim it is. Quick draw McGraw and the last action hero Twitter found this tweet. And I told this boy, listen, this is what I told him in response to what he said. If you're scared, go to church. I tell all my people, get your license to carry nothing, nothing wrong with being armed and ready. Nobody said to be a hero. But I bet if we start shooting back, it will deter stuff like that. It would deter stuff like that. If you start shooting back at these motherfuckers, they're less likely to say, all right, well, I'm not fucking with them because there's consequences and repercussions to shooting these people. 
But again, when the politicians are coming out, they're not saying anything. When you got these 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 white whisperers, these black coons coming out saying, oh, man, well, look at what this guy did. And we're not talking about these people. You can't bring up random things. As a. In a discourse, it's not even a discourse. This dude was a racist piece of trash. If you read what he wrote in his manifesto. You can't counter an argument with talking about somebody that ran into a <laughs> that ran into a crowd of protesters, a black guy that they that they knew was mentally ill, and he went to court and was diagnosed as being mentally ill. You can't compare the two. He didn't do that in the name of people. And every time, and I've been seeing this on Twitter, every time that they do something, they always lone wolves. It's always nah, man. You know he was alone. And, 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 and he didn't do that. He, he didn't, he didn't plan with nobody. That was, that was a random. It wasn't random. If he wrote a page, if he wrote a 180 page note or manifesto or whatever they want to call it, if he wrote a 180 page manifesto and told y'all motherfuckers that he was going to do what he did, what are y'all talking about? He told you what he was going to do. And you motherfuckers continue and continue to make excuses for these people. Oh man, he was a lone wolf. He wasn't he, he wasn't a lone wolf. This is not random. These people plan these things. That's one thing I will give them. They're very prepared to do this type of shit. And like I said, I believe that he took inspiration from this. Because it's telling you what kind of guns is best. For random for uh, for mass shootings, a AK-47, a shotgun, or AR-15. Make sure you got body armor. This is stuff that people are saying in books and telling you how to commit mass murder. But us as black people, we continue to play this game. Oh man, just like the guy on the internet. Oh man, um, listen here, man. Y'all gotta understand it. You can't, uh, uh, you having a gun is not going to stop it. Listen, if I bust at this motherfucker, regardless if he got a vest on or whatever, if I'm busting at this motherfucker, he's more likely to take out the shooters. How are you going to know you got a gun? You can get right behind this motherfucker and end his life. If, if you got a gun and you see he's, he's, he's not paying attention. Hold on, y'all. My alarm going off. My all my electric went out. So hold on. Sorry about the noise. Sorry about that. But understand that. Us as a people, we're soft targets because they know less than likely a lot of people don't got their license to carry. They know these things. So what they do is they target us. He planned this for I don't know months or however long he planned this. He planned that. These people are sitting around and he's randomly 
just he didn't randomly. He, I said I meant to say he's not randomly just picking out areas. He did that because they are easy to get to. They're not going to expect this. So let me go here. It's going to be little to no resistance. How many people do you actually think are going to be strapped? Like, and then Pete, like, yo, if you want to be a coward, be a coward on your own time. Stop striking fear in us. See, and this is the problem. It's always them striking fear. Well, you, you better not have no gun because he going. So what? If I stand up for my people and I die for my people, I'll die a happy man regardless. Because I know, I know at least I put up a fight. Niggas like this, man, you can't depend on these niggas. These are the type of niggas that Harriet Tubman would have left behind. So, man, like, and like I said, and like I said, man, y'all got to understand that these people do these things because they see how the cops treat black folks. They see that we don't have an anti-black hate, cra- anti hate crime bill, but the Asians got a hate crime bill because some people were saying stuff about COVID. So this all came from COVID that they can, oh man, you know, they, we got to give them something, but they don't give us nothing. We get slaughtered. These, these, these Asians ain't getting slaughtered like we is. They're not getting slaughtered at all. These, these is people that they're hiring. They all got the same damn hoodie on. They all got the same damn outfit on with a book bag. And they're randomly just going. That shit is, that's not random. Like I said, that shit is calculated. Nine times out of ten, shit just don't happen. It's not random. It's calculated. Just like the guy at the Waffle House uh, four years ago. He, he did not randomly just do that. He wanted to do it. He went into a black area where he knew it was a bunch of black people. Racist a part of the Aryan Brotherhood or whatever they want to call that shit. And that's what they do. Those are initiation type of things. So stop telling me these things are acts and they're they're random. And it's not random. None of this shit is random. They're doing these things. They're initiations. Just like that white guy that stabbed that girl in Oakland. That black woman. That was not a random thing. She may have been a random person, but that was calculated. He found the first soft target he could find, and he stabbed her up. Like, we got to stop that, man. The more you study these white supremacists, and you start seeing these, you know, these... um. These symbols that they're having, like these boots with these black boots with the white shoelaces. A lot of them I found out in jail. A lot of them in jail wear those because they're initiated. These are initiations. This is what they're doing to get initiated to become hierarchies within the system of white supremacy. This bull wrote a whole manifesto telling y'all he's going to do something because a white race has low birth rates. And like I said, Richard Spencer, K 
came on a, a, a space talking about the low birth rates. And then here you go a month later, this shit happens. Like I said, man, this shit ain't random, bruh. This shit is calculated and they're initiating these people. These people are getting initiated to see how far they're going to go for white folks or white supremacy as a whole. So, man, you know, like I said, I the manifesto and then this this ethnic cleansing operations book is they mirror each other and all the stuff that he was talking about mirrors what this guy was saying in that book. And like I said, man, I just want to tell my people, be careful out here. If you can and you're able, go get your license to carry. We're always caught slipping out here with these white supremacists, man. I'm telling you. And like I said, them people, and I'm not disparaging them people. I'm not being insensitive to those people. Um, He killed the old woman, man. She was 65 years old and had seven grandchildren. This, You know, this is the type of stuff that we have to deal with. And it just gets... Uh, it gets thrown under the rug because well this was random and it wasn't random and I'm, I'm gonna keep saying that just to beat it in everybody's head that it was not random this was not a random act of violence that was very calculated he did it because he knew like i said they're soft targets they're not expecting anything he scouted it i think days before and then some black guy gets on TV, man, I just wanted to help him out. And he wouldn't tell me. And I'm like, yo, why do they keep bringing these fucking weak Negroes on TV to speak about compassion and buying? I bought him a water. He looked nervous. That motherfucker wasn't nervous. He checking your temperature, my G. He checking to see what you doing. To see if you a threat. That's what he was doing. Man, I like you know, I'm just I'm just sick and tired of this shit, man. And then we get into these. The, the, I'm gonna go to the court system and um, just for a little moment. So the white supremacist Kane Madden, they threw his case out. And if you don't know, Kane Madden. Raped a little black girl, fractured her skull, and he got off scot-free. Alright, so... <clears throat> so, this is what it is. Anger by judge judge's decision to keep Kane mad in here. Secret neighbors ready to fight. Under a blue sky, a gentle breeze rattled the leaves of a big shade trees and the gleeful shouts of children echoed the park's swing set throughout the California park. But on the pleasant afternoon, three neighbors sat, sat side by side on a sun-bleached picnic table to talk about something they consider unpleasant, something that makes them angry, and something that continues to put them and the rest of the neighborhood on edge. It's a tragedy, said one of them, Yolanda Walker, who leads the California 
neighborhood leadership council. For almost two years now, Walker, Carol Clark, and George Fields have followed the case of Kane Madden, the man charged with August 2019 beating and rape of a Louisville child until he was found mentally incompetent to stand trial on March 11th. While the charges were dismissed, Madden's future has not been resolved. In multiple instances in the past, Madden has been found incompetent and failed to meet Kentucky's criteria for involuntary hospitalization, meaning he repeatedly walked free, dodging both incarceration and mental health treatment. On April 1st, Governor Andy Bashir signed a bill into law that patches the gap in the state law. But what has happened in this case in recent months is not clear because many of the filings have have been sealed or are not available to public online. Additionally, Jefferson Court <coughs> excuse me, Jefferson Circuit Court Judge Annie O'Connell ruled Monday that the hearings and court documents will, for now at least, remain closed in the case of Madden, whose history of walking free was the imp- impetus for the new state law. The people, the public, should be a part of this hearing. I don't understand, Clark said. Why does it have to be closed? So basically, he, he raped and fractured, I think he killed the little girl, the little black girl, raped and fractured her skull. And he walks free because he's mentally incompetent. But how are they still got this dude walking the, walking the streets? I don't understand. And this is the stuff that I'm saying. Like I said, all this stuff is initiation, man. And all these white people... To me, all these white people, they always on code. They always, you know, just like a judge. They always on code. You know, they always letting these dudes go free. Just like that guy that raped and beat that girl and left her for dead behind a damn dumpster. The judge comes out and say, oh, he doesn't deserve to, to go to jail. You know, he's a kid. He got his whole life in front of him. Doesn't that young lady have her whole life in front of her? Let that man go. He was supposed to serve months. He served, I think, six months and and walked free because he was supposed to be going to college. But they continuously let these white guys go to set a president that, no, they look at them as, like I said, I've always said this. They look at them when the judges see white people and they're white. They see their sisters. They see their brothers. They see their sons. They see their mothers, their fathers, their uncles, nieces, and nephews. That's how they look at each other. They look at each other family-wise. So, So it says right here. Right. And this whole situation was basically swept under the rug because white supremacy. And like I said, the judge seen her uncle or her brother or her son or nephew, whatever. She seen her family in him. That's why she let him go, because you can't let anybody go that rapes an eight-year-old girl and fractures her skull. They protect their own. 
and 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 see stuff like this bothers me. What they do is they tell you like, oh man, well, what we're going to do is we're going to monitor them, but you letting them go. You monitor him in a mental institution or put his ass in jail. They are not mentally incompetent to commit crimes, but they're mentally incompetent to, to stay in trial. That motherfucker knew what he did. And she needs to be brought up on investigation of how you dismiss a case against that guy. So hold on. Sorry. Sorry about that. But she needs to be brought up on investigation and and they need to investigate her on how does a guy that rapes and beats a black little girl, fractures her skull. I don't know if she died or not, but he's mentally incompetent to stay in trial, but he's mentally incompetent. He's not mentally incompetent when he's committing a crime, only when it's time to stay in trial. And that's how they do. That's what they do. And these dudes, they always walking free. Just like with Kyle Rittenhouse. You know, the judge, oh, man, you're a kid. And they, like I said, man, we need to understand it's justice or else. We're fighting for justice. Field Order 15 is justice. And. Reparations is justice. We can no longer continue to take these type of things where our children are damn near getting killed and raped and beat. And these dudes is walking away. Our our, our brother, Trayvon Martin, was killed by a white supremacist, George Zimmerman, who was bragging about it after he did it. But you wasn't bragging when Trayvon was kicking your ass. You followed this man. He put a beating on you, so you pulled out a gun and killed him. And it was self-defense. And like I said, as soon as he got the as soon as he got the court. As soon as he got the court, it was all he, you know, he looked like a white dude before. When he first killed Trayvon, he looked like a whole white dude, buzz cut, little, you know, little peach fuzz. As soon as he get to court, he looking like a, uh, like a, like a Mexican or like a um, Latino. Hair all slicked back. He's still talking trash. Wanna know why? That motherfucker ain't nowhere to be found, man. Like I said all that shit these niggas be talking in the streets. They don't never go get these cop, these racist cops. Tamir Rice gets shot 14 years old with a caught with a damn BB gun. It wasn't even a BB gun, it was a toy gun, a cap gun. Didn't ask him no questions or nothing. 14 years old gets shot. No charges brought up on those officers. 
Mike Brown. The true story comes out years after his death. But you can't revisit the case because he's already been indicted. You can't you can't charge him again. So, I mean, they can charge him again. But they're not going to charge him again after all these um, situations came to arise after he's died. But white supremacy keeps showing you how they do with this book, The Ethnic Cleansing, with this Buffalo Mass Shooter. They keep showing you how they feel and we need to fight back. But we don't fight back. We skinning and grinning, looking for compassion. Everybody needs a hug. COVID stopped hugs. I'm like, oh my God, man. A bunch of cowards, man. But listen, um, I'm about to get out of here. I love y'all, my people. Stay up, stay strong. Go get your license to carry. Don't get caught out here slipping. They weren't slipping. And I I, I want to reiterate, they were not slipping. They went to the supermarket that day. They didn't expect to get shot. Those people didn't expect to get killed. None of that. Because he scouted them. He did it strategy-wise. That's, that's an act of war. These people... In that book, this motherfucker said we're waging war on them. Mind you, what the fuck is you talking? We're not waging war on you. We're not coming after you. And if we did wage war on these people, we have every right to. Because look at their history. And then he had a Confederate flag in there. He's he's saluting uh, Nazi leaders and all this other type of shit. So, man, listen, man. Um... I'm about to get out of here, but I want y'all to look up the Ethnic Cleansing Operations book and look up uh, uh, Peyton Gringen's 180-page manifesto. Just look these things up, man, um, and read and understand how, to me, when these mass shootings happen, they're taking inspiration from this book. I'm pretty sure they read it. They're white supremacists. He had Dylan Roof. Uh, written on his gun, he had this is your reparations. Yeah, he was they, they be online, <laughs> you know, like in the spaces that we in, we may not see them, but they there, man. So, man, like I said, man, I love y'all. Read those two things if you got time, read it over a couple days. But listen, man, keep your head on the swivel. Be strapped. Be ready, man, for anything. But I'm out of here. I love y'all. Peace. I'm gone.